Hi, everyone, and welcome to this edition of Inside the Americas. I'm Monty Francis. Coming up on the program, in the U.S., the leader of a far-right militia group has been found guilty of seditious conspiracy, along with one of his subordinates. The pair was convicted for their part in plotting to keep Donald Trump in power after he lost the 2020 election. Elon Musk goes to war with Apple, criticizing the tech giant for the fees it charges in its app store. Musk recently bought Twitter for $44 billion and has fired the majority of its staff and is struggling to make the company profitable. And it's erupting for the first time in almost 40 years. We're talking about the world's largest active volcano on Hawaii's Big Island. The lava flow is drawing onlookers and it's also prompting some concern from residents nearby. Well, it's the biggest legal consequence so far in the wake of the January 6th insurrection. Stuart Rhodes, who heads the Oath Keepers, was found guilty of seeking to keep Donald Trump in power by carrying out a mob attack on the U.S. Capitol on January 6th. A conviction on sedition is very rare. Becca Hell explains. After three full days of jury deliberation, a verdict has been reached. Stuart Rhodes, the founder of the far-right Oath Keepers militia, has been found guilty of the rarely used charge of seditious conspiracy in connection with the January 6th insurrection on the U.S. Capitol. We're disappointed with the guilty verdict. Um, we feel like that um, uh, we presented a case which uh, showed through evidence and testimony that uh, Mr. Rhodes did not commit the crime of seditious conspiracy. Uh, there was no evidence introduced to indicate that there was a plan to uh, attack the Capitol. The rarely used charge of seditious conspiracy is a Civil War era statute. This is its first conviction in nearly three decades, and one of Rhodes's four co-defendants was also found guilty of the charge. The nearly two-month trial showcased the group's efforts to keep Donald Trump in the White House at all costs, and started after the 2020 election culminating with Trump supporters storming Congress to disrupt certification of Joe Biden's election. Despite not entering the Capitol, prosecutors claim he acted as a battlefield general, and the jury was shown his text messages, videos, including one recording with Rhodes saying he wanted to hang House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. The verdict is a significant win for the U.S. Justice Department, and with around 900 people across all U.S. states arrested for participating, it may pave the way for further convictions. Well, the world's richest man is taking on the world's richest company. Elon Musk has threatened to go to war with Apple, criticizing the tech giant for the fees it charges in its app store. Musk recently bought Twitter for $44 billion and has fired the majority of its staff and is struggling to make the company profitable. He's now suggesting that Apple has stopped advertising on Twitter and had threatened to block Twitter from its app store. Apple has not commented on those accusations. And for more on this, we're joined by Terry Kakrim. He's a French entrepreneur, creator of NetVibes, and founder of Jolie Cloud, a personal cloud content computing platform. Thanks so much for being with us here on France 24. You know, Musk tweeted something. He said, Apple basically stopped advertising on Twitter. Do they hate free speech in America? But isn't a company deciding not to advertise on a site the very definition of free speech? Yes, that's the irony, right? The, the question of free speech is so different depending on which company is actually pretending to protect it or not. In the case of Apple, they've been very strict from the beginning, Disney, the same thing. But for companies like Google, Facebook, and Twitter, 
Free speech means the ability to moderate, to make sure that the content stays in touch with the regulation that are different in Europe, different in the US, different in China and the rest of the world. So for, for a lot of people, we when basically Elon Musk bought Twitter, we knew the number one problem would be how do you operate the regulation? Well, does Elon Musk have a point, though, when he criticizes how Apple runs its app store, for example? I think there's two things that are interesting in this in this case. First, we have to unpack in two things. The first, Elon Musk uh, decided to open the float and reinstate accounts that used to be troubled account or racist account. And for Apple, that has this very strict policy on what you can have or not on the internet. Suddenly, Twitter, that used to be this simple and safe app anyone can use, has become a problem. So will Apple uh, remove um, a, a, an app like Twitter? I think they may not do it unless it's last resort. But on the other side, there's a actually good point from Elon Musk that is basically Apple has full control over their phone, about the business model, around 30% of everything you make on the iPhone goes to Apple. It doesn't seem to be very fair. They can remove your app for any reason they decide to. So they have so much power and it's true that with this question, the, Apple has too much power and they might have to be regulated. Now, with this whole issue of Apple aside, we can look at what, what Elon Musk has, has done. He has fired more than half of Twitter's workforce. He's reinstated banned accounts, including that of Donald Trump. The big question is, can Musk make Twitter profitable and will it survive all of these dramatic changes that he's making? I think we already know the answer. The answer is Twitter was barely profitable and now it, it, it cannot be. The, the main issue that Elon has with Twitter is it acquired it at a price that is way more um, than when the market delivers. Basically, he bought it at $54 uh, a, a share, and now people think it's probably less than a third or even a fourth of what it means. So removing, getting rid of people, like he said, or trying to renegotiate uh, all the different suppliers and or not paying them, uh, is, is a matter for him of making sure that he can actually reduce the cost. But his main problem is not buying the company, it's the enormous debt that is, is attached to his uh, person and especially through his Tesla shares. And some people believe that he might do all of that, all this fuss, to actually scare the banks at trying to get the debt at a lower price. Because if he had full control over the company, then he could do whatever he wants. Well, so, you know, he's trying to make Twitter profitable. But in the meantime, what happens to the political discourse? If you go on Twitter, you can see things have changed a lot in the last few weeks. Absolutely. I think the the most important work at Twitter was not the application. The application hasn't really changed over the last 12, 13 years. What has changed is the ability to remove harmful content, being able to adapt to different regulation. In Europe, we have the GDPR in the U.S. You, you, you still have things that you cannot do. As you know, with the, with the January 6th, um, um, the invasion of the capital, a lot of companies got scared to be accessory in such a manner, and they started to disconnect, deplatform Trump, but also removing uh, key people on the far right. And right now, what we can see is, is that basically, uh, Elon doesn't really care. He thinks that he can actually recreate a new service. I don't think he has a full plan or actually grasp the full extent of what he's doing, but he's doing it.
He certainly is doing it. Okay, Terry Krim, French entrepreneur, creator of NetVibes and the founder of Jolie Cloud. Thanks for uh, being with us here on France 24. Thank you. Well, as we've seen before, sports and politics are hard to separate, and that was certainly the case as the U.S. played against Iran in the World Cup this week. Clements Waller has reaction from some Iranian Americans who watched the game. After over 40 years of severed diplomatic ties between the two nations and at a time where Iran is in political turmoil since the death in custody of 22-year-old Masa Amini, this match was one to watch. Since the start of the tournament, the Iran football team has been facing pressure from the protesters and the regime. During their first match against England, the players declined to sing their anthem, but subsequently sang it for the next two. Iranian fans would want the team to do something about the revolution right now, but um, unfortunately there's little they can do because the players, their families are being threatened at the moment. In a show of support for the protesters in Iran, the U.S. Soccer Federation temporarily displayed the Iranian flag without the Islamic Republic's emblem, leading Tehran to complain to FIFA. But for these fans, politics needs to take a step back for a moment. This is not politics. This is sport. This is what we grew up with. This is what we love. I'm always seeing Iran, no matter what, no matter where I am. I'm always rooting for my country. And we didn't win this one, but we're going to win this American victory means that Iran has been eliminated from the World Cup and will have to wait another four years for another chance at the title. Well, it's erupting for the first time in almost 40 years. We're talking about the world's largest active volcano on Hawaii's Big Island. Mauna Loa is drawing spectators and also some concern from residents who live nearby. A neighboring volcano, Kilauea, which is also on the Big Island, has been erupting for more than a year. At the moment, there are no evacuation orders, but some people have decided to leave their homes just to be safe. The Mauna Loa is awake. Called the Long Mountains by the Hawaiians, this volcanic giant is once again spewing lava from its bowels for the first time in almost 40 years. It is also causing thick plumes of smoke visible at more than 70 kilometers. The eruption began on Sunday night in the middle of the Pacific Ocean in Hawaii. The Mauna Loa is the largest active volcano in the world, covering half of the archipelago's main island. For now, the volcano's behavior seems to be sticking to a familiar pattern, starting at the summit and then moving into a rift zone. For kilometers on end, torrents of molten rock fascinate locals and tourists alike. It was a surprise. We knew that it was coming, but not now. <laughs> Interested. I mean, as soon as I saw the news, I wanted to drive over here today. As a safety precaution, the area surrounding the summit and several roads in the region are closed, but no evacuation orders have been given. Lava flows are not threatening any downslope communities at this time. Volcanic gas and possibly fine ash and Pele's hair uh, may be carried downwind. Scientists are actively monitoring Mauna Loa for any signs of danger. Its last eruption in 1984 lasted for 22 days and created lava flows which stopped just seven kilometers from the nearest city. And that's it for this edition of Inside the Americas. Thanks for watching, and we'll see you next time. In Charlottesville in 2017, a far-right rally descended into carnage. A white supremacist drove his car into the crowd of counter-protesters. 
There's still very much a heavy aura that hangs over this place. It was a scene that I'll never forget, and it was, I'm not the same person that I was. Um, Five years later, have the residents recovered? Are the far right and white supremacism still a threat in the country? Watch Charlottesville Revisited on France 24 and France24.com.